The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Jesus, the miracle worker. Our text is taken this morning from the book of John, chapter 9. And we'll read together verses 1 to 41. John 9 from verse 1 to 41. It's an amazing story that I will encourage you to go back home and read again. Just sit with the Lord and read the story again and open yourself up to the word of God. It reads, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins, his own sins, or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here on, in this world, in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the blind man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this man, isn't this the man who was we used to sit and beg. Some said it was. Another said, no, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Verse 12, where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to have a party to rejoice that he has been healed. They took him to the Pharisees because it was the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. For he's walking on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division among them, of opinion among them. Then 
the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents. They asked him a threefold question. Is this your son? Number one, was he born blind? Number two, if so, how can he now see? Number three, his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. But what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Don't you people hear what? Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple. But we are Moses' disciple. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. You are trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard that what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. And he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. 
Some Pharisees who are standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? <laughs> if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. The Lord blessed the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. So, interesting story before us this morning. The world struggles consistently. The world, the church, you know, struggles consistently with the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. And, you know, honestly, you don't need the person of Jesus to walk the principles of Jesus. The principles of Jesus, a lot of them, you know, because a lot of the principles of the word, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the word became, fast forward, flesh, and dwelt amongst us, talking about Jesus. The word, the principles of the Bible works whether you are a Christian or a Buddhist or an unbeliever. There are some principles that are universal. They will work. So the principles of Jesus will deliver results and a lot of them outside of the person of Jesus. So we have um, a lot of believers have a relationship with the person of Jesus. Don't deploy the principles of Jesus as we have explained before and they struggle in their lives. You, they, you believe in Jesus, you have the person of Jesus but you don't deploy his principle for your health, for instance. You struggle. It could be in your relationship. If you don't deploy his principle, there will be a struggle. So, the person of Jesus secures your eternity. The principles of Jesus secures your success here on earth. So, as long as you follow Jesus, you are sure of making heaven. But as long as you imitate Jesus, you are sure of being successful on earth. So, if you do not take a student, exam is coming. You are not studying. You're a Christian. The unbeliever is studying. You are not studying. Then you begin to pray and fast. Then the exam comes. Of course, the Christian will fail if he doesn't study. Say, Pastor, I reject that in Jesus' name. Be rejecting it. Read your book. So, we, we kind of make mockery of, of, of Christ. Because we don't do what we ought to do. And we can apply that to a different lives. And it's, it's, it's confusing the world because the world is saying, look, I don't need God. Particularly the Western world. Everything is working. You know, the principles are in place. They take care of the old. The old. They take care of the weak. They take care of the poor. The principles are in place. And they are getting the results. But they are rejecting the person of Jesus what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? But you see, the beauty of God is that God has not said to us, choose one. God wants us to do the two. To have a relationship with the person of Jesus and to deploy his, his principles. 
to the story. Jesus saw this man and his disciples. The man was blind. Was born blind. And the disciples concluded that it must be as a result of sin. And many times, because we are linear a lot of time in our thinking, we think that, oh, that woman is passing through such and such. It must be a generational cause. <laughs> you know, that's what has been bastardized in many ways. It must be a sin. It must be, you know. And they said to Jesus, you know, they asked Jesus a question. You know, don't do that to God. When you ask God a question, let him answer the question. They asked Jesus a question. Who sinned? And they gave him options. Choose one. This man, why was this guy born blind? Is it the sin of the father or because of the sin? Hey, why don't you just stop? Why was this guy born blind? And let Jesus answer. They said, why was this guy born blind? And they gave him options, um, objectives. Choose one. Sin of the son, sin of the father. Jesus says none of the above. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Many times, we go to God with questions and we provide him with answers to choose from. I've shared this before. A young man came to me and said to me, Pastor, I want to get married. I have a good job. I have a, I have a house. I have a good car. It is time to settle down. I said, praise God. And he says to me, I, uh, he wants to settle down. I said, okay, that's fantastic. He says, now he has three ladies. He mentioned their name. Uh, Ngozi, uh, Amina, Nyinka. And he says, pastor, let us pray that God will choose one of those three. You are asking God a question. You are providing him with the options that he must choose from. <laughs> and at the time, I felt God was saying, it's none of them. So I said to him, none of the above. Ah, I said, Pastor, it has to be one of these those. I've invested in these people. In these three years, I've, I've spread my tentacles. I've, I've placed multiple beds. You know, it has to be one of them. I said, sorry, I can't say yay or nay. I felt God saying, it's none of them. What if it's one? In fact, it was a question. God asked him, what if it's none of them? My point is this. Don't go to God with a question and preferring the answer. Let him answer. That was what he did. And instead of, I mean, you are with Jesus. You are, you've seen someone that is sick, is blind. You are with Jesus. What should be your, I mean, what should flow from you? Should it not be Jesus, please heal this man, right? Instead, they began to analyze the man. They asked Jesus, Jesus, what was the root of his problem? Is it uh, his great-grandfather took uh, sacrifice to this place? What, what tell us the root of his problem? And Jesus is like, what's your business with the root of the problem? Praise the name of the Lord. God wants us to show mercy to people around us and not just scrutinize them. So many times, we go through things not because there is a problem 
with God. Sin, obviously, will lead to suffering. But not all suffering as a result of sin. Sin, a lady came to me and, 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 she, she had a, and she said to me, Pastor, who did I offend? Tell me! And she was almost holding my shirt. Tell me, who did I offend? That God will punish me like this. <laughs> I said, listen, madam, calm down. You didn't offend anybody necessarily. Many times, suffering is not because of sin. And I can give you examples upon examples in scripture, but for time. So, the question we should ask is not, why do I suffer? But, will I trust for God to show his glory, even when I don't understand the suffering? Will I trust that God will show his glory, even when I don't understand the suffering? Everybody can pay their school fees. How come I'm the only one that can't pay my school fees yet? Would I trust for God to show his glory than for me to be overly consumed with why I'm suffering? It's up to us. And I think that God wants us to trust him. God wants us to trust really, God really wants us to trust him with the outcome of our lives. I don't understand every bend and every twist. Honestly, I don't. But I know, I know that the one that is in charge of my life will make it work out for my good. You know, when the Bible says all things work together for good, for those that love God, and I call that according to the purpose. The scripture is so true. It's so, so true. You may not understand how, but in the end, it's going to be for your good. Praise the name of the Lord. You need to settle that. Back to this story. This man was blind, right? But he wasn't deaf. He was blind, but he wasn't deaf. So he could hear the disciples analyzing him. What do you think is the source of this man's problem? He was there, he was hearing them. Is he his father's sin? Is he his own sin? And how do you feel when you are going through stuff and the disciples, people that are supposed to be following God, I know God, are scrutinizing you. And they're like, oh, maybe she has a problem. Maybe he has a problem. Oh, maybe that is why this. Oh, maybe that is why that. Can't you see her? Ah, they have a generational problem in their family. Ah, mm -hmm. we need to be praying, you know. The issue is many times we find ourselves in situations where people scrutinize us. What do you do? How do you feel? How would this man have felt? What did he do? He kept quiet. He allowed Jesus to answer for him. Praise the name of the Lord. You need to keep quiet and allow Jesus to answer for you. I mean, at that point, that low point, 
You don't need to argue with anybody. Unfortunately, that's when a lot of us begin to try and justify and vindicate ourselves. Allow Jesus to answer for you. Praise the name of the Lord. Because it is God's intention to glorify himself in our lives. It is God's intention. In fact, miracles bring glory to our God. Miracles bring glory to our God in a way that if you understand it, you will know that you shouldn't be fretting. In other words, this thing is for your glory. If it is well with me, it is for the glory of my father. Do you understand? So, it is in my father's interest that I am doing well. So, I'm not struggling to try and manipulate him to bless me. (laughs) Which is how a lot of people approach God. Jesus doesn't make a promise without backing it up with action. Jesus always fulfills his promises. Always. Everybody say always. Jesus always fulfills his promises. Always. He said in verse 5 of John 4, John 9, sorry, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he saw a blind man and he that is in darkness, physical darkness, and give him light. He said, I am the bread of life. And he saw people that are hungry. And he what? He gave them bread and fish. And we can go on and on and on. So I'm praying that you get to a place with God that you are totally secure. That you are not tossed. Will you be well with me? Will you not be well with me? Will tomorrow be good? Will tomorrow be bad? Will I be able to? No, 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 no. You are secure in him. That is the head of principalities and powers. You need to get to that place in God. And the miracle God did in the life of this man was such that when people that had two eyes, when they saw the miracle, they couldn't believe it. They saw the man and said, no, 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 no. Can it be this man? It can't be him now. How can it be him? So I'm praying for you today in the name of Jesus that what God will burst forth in your life. The people that knew you, your neighbors, that was, they still saw you in the morning when you were coming to church today. When you get back, they say, it can't be her. No, 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 this is too much. How can they look at you. They look at me and say, no, no, that can't be Femi Munei. Ah, no, no, no. Ah, Femi Munei cannot be this anointed and um, what else? Apart from anointed, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> okay. Wealthy, yes. Thank you. And, you know, no, 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 no. That's to be somebody else. Then, the man spoke and said, it is me. When the disciples were talking about him, he couldn't talk. He kept quiet. But when he got his miracle, and the people were talking, is he him? Is he not? It is me. President of the Lord. 
Oh my goodness. Now, believe me, believe me. God, it is God's intention to bless you all around. Your spirit, in your health, in your finances. It is not God's plan, listen, to bless you in one area and rob you in another area. It is not God's plan. It is not. And when you, when you look at um, this man's story, if you, if, if you see a man that was blind and comes back healed and can see, what should happen in the community? They should be rejoicing, right? Everybody should celebrate, right? I read this story more than once. Nobody rejoiced with this man. Nobody. The disciples did not rejoice with him. His neighbors did not rejoice with him. The Pharisees did not rejoice with him. Even his parents did not rejoice with him. Such a strange story. Everybody should rejoice, but nobody. And I'm and I saying, why? Why wouldn't people rejoice when they see an outstanding miracle? A couple of reasons, perhaps. It could be because of shock. The miracle was too shocking. You know, something can be so shocking that people cannot even rejoice. I'm praying today that God will work a work in your life that will shock people so much that they may not even be able to rejoice because of the shock in the name of Jesus. Now, I know some of you don't believe it, but you will see it and you will eat from it, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Believe me. So, it could be because of shock. Number two, it could be because of their outrightly evil. Some people just don't want good of anybody. They're outrightly evil. That's fine. Number three, it could be because they are religious, like the Pharisees. Sometimes, we can be so stuck in our religious dogma that we don't even see what God is doing. We are so tied down to the do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts that we can't even see the miracle of Jesus. Or it could be because of what other people would say. That was the problem with the parents. The reason the parents did not even go all out was because of they would put them out of the synagogue. Listen, did the man care if they are going to put him out of the synagogue? Synagogue, oh. What has synagogue done for him? All these days he have, have been going there to beg. The key thing is this. Even the parents did not because of what other people would say. We think, and it could just be because of sheer jealousy. Sheer jealousy. Some people are just jealous. And it's difficult to rejoice when you are jealous. Try and do it. It's very difficult. <laughs> In fact, you come up with a plastic smile that everybody else can see but yourself. <laughs> they can see that it's a fake smile, but you are putting it up. It's difficult. But like I said in first worship experience, the truth is this. If there's nothing in your life that is making other people envious of you, really, really, God has not started with you. And I pray that God will start with you today. When, now listen to me. This is just the truth. It's just how it is. 
when God begins to walk, even Jesus, out of envy, they killed him. Joseph, God asked Joseph, Behold the dreamer. He has come again with his big dreams. We had rest though, all this time that I was away. Now he has come again. Everybody will not rest. Big mouth, big dream. If the blessings have not provoked jealousy, it has not gauged yet. You know what it is to gauge? And I'm praying today, not only will it gauge, it will overflow. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, you know what that means? It means that it will be more trouble. But like we said in the first worship experience, the God that brought the blessings will deal with the trouble. <laughs> the God that brought the blessings will deal with the trouble. So stop Quit trying to cut yourself to size, to the size of your neighbor's imagination. Quit trying to cut yourself to the size of your neighbor's imagination. You cannot, God has blessed you, let's just say with a shirt, a good shirt. You don't want to wear it because if I wear it now, I don't want trouble. Wear the shirt in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, wait. Oh, ah, Pastor. You know, I have, I mean, you know, single ladies come to me and say, Pastor, ah, the way God is blessing me, can let us pray that God will slow down? No? I said, Why? I'm telling you, real life stuff. I said, Why? I said, ah, which man will marry me now? The blessings are too much. I said to her, Don't ever say that again. Ever. God will bring the man that has the capacity to carry you and your blessings in Jesus' name. <laughs> Stop cutting yourself to fit another person's short-sightedness and myopia. I hope I got that correctly. Stop it. I believe that if I'm anything at all, by the grace of God, by the sacrifice of my mother, my grandmother, and their prayers, if I'm anointed, maybe because they are praying, not because I can pray, I know I can't pray well, but my grandmother has prayed for me. And my grandmother is in heaven. I know she'll be happy for me to walk in these blessings. So why should I be apologetic about it? Praise the name of the Lord. There you go. So people are beefing me already. <laughs> oh, family, leave that area. Go quickly, go quickly. Now, <laughs> back to what I was saying. How? Because you yourself, you must understand that if God has blessed someone, rejoice with them. Just rejoice. It doesn't just, just rejoice. This I will rejoice. Just rejoice with them. And the mark of spiritual maturity is, is, is when God blesses your neighbor with that which you have been asking God for. And in fact, God gave them triple. 
That's what you, you have prayed and prayed. You have gone for vigils and God is asking your name. Sometimes you think, ah, did God miss my address? <laughs> when that happens and you are still able to rejoice, watch out. Something is about to break forth in your life. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It is so powerful. It is so, so powerful that you understand this concept and this part of God. So, there's an intersection between the person of Jesus and the miracles, uh, sorry, and the principles of Jesus. There's an intersection. That intersection of the person of Jesus and the, and the principles of Jesus is the miracles of Jesus. So, engaging only the person of Jesus will give you comfort on earth and security in heaven, eternal security. So, if you have the person of Jesus, you will have comfort on earth no matter what you are going through. If you disobey Jesus concerning your finances, you will go through hell financially, but the Holy Ghost will comfort you. I tell you, it's a comforter. You say, it's okay, don't worry. When we get to heaven, in the marriage supper, it will comfort you. If, you. if you dishonor God with your body and you fall sick and you are so sick, guess what? The Holy Ghost will comfort you. If you dishonor God in your relationships, God forbid, and the marriage fails, and your relationship fails, guess what? The Holy Ghost will comfort you. He's committed to you eternally. But you will not only engage the person of Jesus, you will deploy the principles of Jesus. Why? Because deploying the, only the principle of Jesus will give you success on earth in your relationship. So you don't need to be Christians to have a good relationship. Of course, there are not Christians that are having a good marriage. Believe me, they are. Because and if you check their lives, they are obeying the principles. They may not have the person. And that's usually what confuses them. They're like, I'm successful. You say you're a Christian. You're not even getting your stuff going. You know? God wants you to have the two. So if you engage the person of Jesus and you deploy the principles of Jesus, you get the miracles of Jesus. Take, take that again. If you engage the person of Jesus, and you deploy the what? Principles of Jesus. You will get the what? Miracles of Jesus. Now, let me explain where we have an edge over the world. The world can only deploy the inspired word of God the inspired principle that has been established of God. But you as a child of God, of course you can deploy that. And beyond that, you can deploy the principle of the voice of God. Spit on the floor. Where is that written in the Bible? Okay, Jesus spat on the floor. Okay. But before Jesus did it, where was that written in the Bible? There are things that the Holy Spirit will tell you to do that will bring about a miracle in your life that 
is not available to the world. Not available to the world. There are directions you will get. I mean, I've shared before, long time ago, I was driving in a country that is not ours. I didn't know of the US, I don't know the way, so I had the GPS. And there was road construction. So, road construction, major road, GPS says I will get to church. The church I wanted to go about 30 minutes or 45 minutes into the service. I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to go to church late. While I was still debating right there, the Holy Spirit said to me, look at that car. It was an SUV. I looked up, I saw the car. He said, follow the car. Uh, I was like, uh, uh, I will follow it. I'll be trading the car before they call the cops on me. You know, how can I just follow a car like that? And while I was still debating, the car pulled out of the queue and drove off. I had a choice. Obey or stay there. So I said, okay. Peter, I followed the car. Car turned left. Just going. Da, 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 da. I was following, 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 following. Less than 15 minutes. I just looked up. I saw the church. And the car drove past in front of the church. And I parked. Now, where is that written in the Bible? Follow the car in front of you. <laughs> it's not written there. <laughs> you have to. And it is, the, it is the privilege we have. The edge we have above the world. The benefits of the voice of the Lord, which is the privilege you have in second service because I didn't say that in the first service. I skipped it for time. So from this story, the person of Jesus was engaged and the principle of Jesus were deployed for the miracle to occur and for the glory of God to be revealed. So, for the, the, the person of Jesus was engaged. The principles, the two principles of Jesus particularly, was deployed in this story. Before we saw the miracles happen and the glory of God revealed. Obviously, from this story, we can see the person of Jesus. So, what are the two principles that was, was deployed here? We'll talk about them and we'll close from there. The two principles that were deployed here, stay with me. If you get this, your life will change totally. Totally. The two principles that were deployed here, and number one is the principle of submission. Everybody say principle of submission. Say it again, principle of submission. The second principle that was deployed here is the principle of obedience. They're different. Everybody say principle of obedience. So let's take the first one. Submission to Jesus. Submission to Jesus. That's the first principle. In John 9.6. John 9.6. It says, Then Jesus, then he spit on the, on the ground and made mud with his saliva and spread the mud over the man's eyes. We said the man was blind. But he was not deaf. So he was hearing Jesus spitting. Twang, twang, twang. 
the point I was like, ah, what's this guy doing? <laughs> I can't believe this guy. Did I just hear him spit? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, that's what I would think. I hope I mean that's probably that's what you think too. Is this guy for real? He's actually spitting. <laughs> After his disciples have abused me. He's spitting. And Jesus didn't stop at spitting. He made mud. He made a clay with his, with his spit. And now, the Bible says he covered, his, he, he smeared the guy's eyes with mud made of spit. Even somebody that has two eyes that can see, when you cover the eyes with mud, what happens to the eyes? I mean, the eyes is one of the tactics in street fighting. Should I tell you? No, I should be teaching you bad things. But I'll teach you, Shai, in case. You never, <laughs> you never know. One of the principles in street fighting is when they punch you, you go down. As you go down, you are grabbing sand. When you are coming up, you put the sand in their face. Then you beat them to, suck, to, to stupor. <laughs> because the sand in his face, is a, you are punching, kicking, Free of charge, free of charge. <laughs> so Jesus just um, put some moisture in his own. <laughs> I know some of you, you didn't do any street fighting. It's okay, it's okay. Ajebota, you know, you didn't. Nobody stole your bicycle and you had to go and fight back to get it. Nobody took your ball and you had to go and fight back to get it. Okay. Some of us grew up in. Those kind of areas. Anyway, so Jesus, even if the guy had any physical chance to see before, Jesus just took it out. And that's what the guy did. He submitted to that process. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. After Jesus spitting, I mean, many people will have said, come, 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 come. I'm a Christian. I'm not a fool. The fact that we are coming to church does not mean we don't have brains. You are spitting. What do you want to do with this spit? <laughs> Where do you want to put it? On my face? Uh, and many times we resist. Because if you look at this man's situation, sometimes submission to Jesus may appear to worsen the situation. But at the end of the day, the glory of God will be revealed. There are many of us here. It's as if the situation is getting worse. It's as if Jesus has just put mud on your face. I'm declaring over you that the glory of God will be revealed in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. You follow Jesus. They say, follow you, follow Jesus. And it's as if this Jesus just made matters worse. Guess what? Because he's just about to make matters good. Smeared the guy's face with mud. 
and made him look like a masquerade. So the guy was blind and he wasn't even physically appealing. How will he get help? That is submission. The guy stayed the course. He submitted to the process. So submission, simply put, to submit means to willingly, everyone say willingly, to submit is to willingly allow another person do to you as he or she pleases. To submit is to willingly allow another person do to you as he or she pleases. Willingly. I will say willingly. To willingly allow. So the guy allowed Jesus put all the stuff on him. To be submitted to the Holy Spirit means to allow the Holy Spirit have his way. Let him do what he wants to do. To yield ourselves to be willingly available. The Holy Spirit says to you, it could be as simple as, don't wear that dress. And you're like, what's wrong with that dress? Ah, no. Me, I wear it, so that dress brings out my color. What has happened there? Sometimes we wonder how come you, 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 we can't, we don't, I mean, some people don't, are not able to sustain a walk with God. It's simple. They don't submit to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. They don't submit. The Holy Spirit says, you know, and, and honestly, I thank God for God's favorite house. Thank God for all of you. I mean, okay, let's say most of you. Because of your willingness to submit to God, it's remarkable. It's not common, believe me. It's not common. However, we can still grow. There's still a lot of room for growth in our submission to God. God says to you, this is where I want you to do this. Response should be, yes, sir. Submit. Submit. So that's submission. The second thing, principle, is what? Is what? Obedience. Obedience. What's the difference between submission and obedience? What's the difference between submission and obedience? I didn't say, I didn't synonymous. They're different. To illustrate the difference, I'll, I'll share a story, which I, I usually share when I want to differentiate submission and obedience. There's a man, was the uncle of this young boy, and he said to the young boy, sit down. And the young boy says, no, I'm not going to sit down. And the uncle says, 
I'm older than you. I'm stronger than you. I mean, she will be your elders. Sit down. And the young boy says, nope, I'm not going to sit down. And the uncle removes his belt. You know what's going to happen next? He wants to whoop him. And as he removes his belt, the young boy sat down quickly. And after a while, the young boy began to laugh and giggle. And, and the uncle was like, why are you giggling? Why are you laughing? And the young boy said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You can't make me sit down on the inside. You, and he made a jest. And really, nobody can make you sit down on the inside. Did the young boy obey? Okay. Did the young boy submit? No. But did he obey, sit down? Yes. He obeyed. He sat down. But he didn't submit. Rebellion is a heart issue. It's not really an act issue. He didn't submit. But he sat down. That's why God doesn't look like men look. Men look on the outside. God looks at, at the inside, at the heart. God looks at the heart. A lot of people can come up with all sorts of, you know, but God sees the heart. And God says, mm, don't mind this one, don't mind that one. I mean, not the story of the Psalm of David. Not that one, not that one, not that one, but this one. It's a heart issue. For you to get to where God wants to take you, for you to eat the good of the land, you must not only obey, you must submit. You must not only sit down on the outside, you must sit down on the inside. The word of God says, if you are willing and obedient, you will what? You will eat the good of the land. If you are willing, that willingness, obedience, submission has to do with what? Willingness. Willingly allowing others. So if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I pray you will eat the good of the land in Jesus' name. So what does that mean? You'll be Obedient, and you'll be submissive. <laughs> and this issue of submission, it's, 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 it's really an issue with, with marriages, relationships. Interestingly, it's not much of an issue in other places. So we, we have a marriage, and the Bible, what the Bible says in marriage about submission? Come on. <laughs> no, that's not what the Bible says. People say, why submit to your husband? That's not all. That's just part. If you back up a little bit, God says, submitting one to another. Then he said, wives, submit to your husband. Then he says, husband loves your wife. If you take Husband, love your wife. Outside of 
while submitting to your husband and submitting one to another, it won't work. If you take wife submit to your husband, outside of husband love your wife and submitting one to another, it won't work. For it to work, husband will love his wife, wife will submit to the husband and they will submit one to that's how it works. Okay. That's how it works. So, and to submit means to allow, willingly allow the other person do as he pleases. I don't want to say more about that. Let me go on. Before I get into trouble. So how did this guy obey? How did he obey? It's simple. Jesus said to him, his obedience, Jesus said to him, go and wash in the pool. Now, pause. Jesus said, go and wash in the pool. Jesus has just messed up this guy's face. In other words, people that would like him, that would still want to hold his hands, we think he's a masquerade. Or something is happening to him. What's wrong with this guy? Has he gone crazy now? With his blindness? So, people will not even be willing to help him. But Jesus said, go and wash. And the guy foolishly obeyed. He got up and he went to wash. Now listen, the pool was not near. How do I know the pool was not near? If you read the scriptures, it's clear. The pool was not near because when they asked for Jesus, if Jesus was standing there and the pool was near and they asked him, who healed you? Just say, is this guy here or someone around here? He says, I don't know where he is. It wasn't that Jesus left the place. It was him that left the place to go and wash. So the pool was not near. So how did he get to the pool? How did he get to the pool? Somebody must have helped him. Somebody must have showed him favor. Somebody must have probably given him a ride. So in spite of how dark and how bleak it seems. If God says to you, go, just go. Why? Because as you go, favor is on the way. Help is on the way. Promotion is on the way. Just obey. And that is totally awesome. And that also informs us because Jesus was saying to him in essence, you are blind but you are not lame. Go to the pool. Use your legs. Walk. Use your legs. Walk. He could have given a lot of excuses. I can't see. I don't know my way there. I will bump into the wall. Da, 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 da. And a lot of us are used to giving excuses. Stop giving excuses. Stop it. Personally, I grow very impatient to people that give excuses. That's one area I need to grow in, I know. I get very impatient. Stop giving excuses. Fix it. Praise the Lord. He said to him, you are blind, but you are not lame. Secondly, you are blind, but you are not dumb. You can ask for help. That's what is inherent in that statement. Go and wash. How will it go get there? Ask for help. Ask for somebody to take your hand. Ask for somebody to show you the way. Ask for help. It won't kill you. Ask for help. 
Many of us, we are so uptight, particularly us men. But interestingly, some women are so egocentric, it's unbelievable. But mostly men. But some women too, shall. But mostly men. But some women too. But mostly men. It's unbelievable. Years ago, I mean, my wife and I were going somewhere. I, I, I don't remember where. I'm sure she will remember. She remembers everything. You know? And we, are, we had obviously gotten lost. And she says to me, Femi Park, let's ask these people for direction. I said, no. Direction, no, no. We'll find the place. Don't worry, we'll find the place. Is it not that address? And we're parabolating. I'm parabolating. Par- let's ask these people for direction. No, 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 no. I said, no. Parambulating, parambulating. Let's ask if we were parambulating. Afterwards, okay, let's ask for direction. <laughs> I will have saved myself some vital hours or minutes. Ask for help. It was inherent in that statement go and wash. Ask for help. You won't die. Swallow your pride. Someone sent me a text asking for help. Asking me to help him do something. Send me an SMS. So when I got the SMS, I showed my wife and we both laughed. You know why we laughed? The text was like the guy was in so much pain to ask for that help. It was like he was asking for help, but you know, it was. <laughs> so I'm like, ask. Ask. I learned to ask. You know, they say that the person that asks for direction does not get lost. Have you heard that before? Ask for help. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, ask for help. So in essence, what God is saying is don't let a limitation in one area ground your entire life. Again, that's only second service. Don't let a limitation in one area ground your entire life. It's only blindness you have. You can walk now. You can talk. You can hear. You can feel. You can smell. You can taste. Don't sit down there. Go and wash. Jesus is saying to you. So don't let a limitation in one area ground your life. And, and I've seen that so many times. So People are waiting. They have a limitation. They are trusting God in one area. They let that ground their entire life. They, they want admission to university. All their lives comes to a standstill. They want to get married. Everything else comes to a standstill. You want to have children. Everything else comes to a standstill. You want to get a job. Everything else comes to a standstill. You want your business to move forward. Everything else comes to a standstill. God is saying, no. Don't allow a limitation in an area paralyze your whole life. In fact, as you begin to exercise in the other areas, help is on the way. Praise the name of God. Help is on the way. If you want to clap, I think you should clap better than that. Only you, only you. I haven't said everybody. <laughs> all right, all right. Praise the Lord. So, As I wrap up, 
When it comes to God, you can't preempt God. You shouldn't preempt God. Why? Because God can do what he will do in whatever way he chooses to do it. I've learned not to preempt God. We are trusting God for property. I've learned not to preempt God. So as a church, I refuse to preempt God. I just follow him. What is he saying? Is this where he's moving? I follow suit. Don't preempt God. Don't determine. You don't know who God will use. Many of us, we have fixed our eyes on man. And it's a curse you are bringing upon yourself if you do that. Because the word of God says, cost is he that makes man the arm of flesh is trust. We have put our trust in a man. Oh, may God use him so I can get promoted. Who says? What if God doesn't want to use him? And God still wants to promote you in spite of that. Oh, may God touch the heart of my uncle. What if God is not interested in your uncle? But he still wants to bless you. Are you going to fix your eyes and not see? In fact, you know what the cost is? Can I explain this a little bit? You know what the cost is? It's simple. It says because the person will not see good when it comes. You know why? If good is coming in one di- this direction, it's coming like that, and the person is fixed in this direction, what happens? When good is passing. But if you are open to God, you're like, you're scanning God, where are you going to come from? I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. <laughs> When good comes, what happens? You see it. Stop trusting in man. When it comes to God, be open. Say be open. Say to your neighbor, be open. Say to them, remain open. When it comes to God, you have to be open. This man's miracle has never been done before. Jesus did something new. What if God wants to do something new with you? Many of us, we we say, oh, I want a job, I want a job, I want a job. What if God doesn't want to give you a job? I want to be employed, oh, pastor, pray on the What if God doesn't want to be employed? What if God wants you to employ people? He wants to give you a business. I don't want to give you a job. Say, I'm going to even let them fire you in that job. Say, pastor, the devil is a liar. Listen to me. His ways are not our ways. And his ways are past finding. And he's the God of how, of the how. He knows how we do what he said he will do. What I've learned, hold on to what God has said. Don't worry about how you will do it. I feel strongly that there's someone in this place. Some people walked out of your life and some people, someone walked out of your life and you know, you are just confused. Listen. Listen. 
if they were important to your destiny, God would not have allowed them to walk out of your life. The only reason they've worked out is they are irrelevant to your destiny. Totally irrelevant. Stop looking at man. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow our heads as we pray. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. You deserve the glory and the honor. We lift our hands in worship. Let's focus on Jesus. Bless your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. And the honor. Lord, we lift our voice in worship as we bless your holy name. For you are great, you do miracles so great. There is no, there is no one else like you. There is no one, there is no one else like you. Oh, for you are great. So great. 